Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13 while we watch a dramatic presentation of the restoration of Peter from John chapter 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So Peter had denied Jesus, even cussed while he was doing it, three times before a rooster crowed. That doesn't mean he waited until sunup to start denying the Lord. Roosters can crow any time. So it was like Peter, when the Lord predicted his denial, it's not going to be long and you're going to be denying that you even know me. And of course Peter denied that. So what does that have to do with the story? Well, it was the question of love. Uh, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. The use of the word love in the English language is in multiple settings. You love, who loves peanut butter blizzards? <laughs> who loves their family? Who loves the Lord? Who loves popcorn? Same word. Well, the Greek language has eight different words for the word love, three of which are in the New Testament. The word storge, which relates to family love. Uh, the word phileia is a type of emotional love between good friends. It's brotherly love. It's love for humanity. It's an affection that is pure, and it's a love for people in need. 
And of course, eros, that's where we get the word erotic, it's sexual love. Um, that's not listed in the scriptures. I think Storge is only once. The two words primarily used and used in this conversation is the word philea and the word uh, agape or agape is a correct pronunciation. It's the highest of the four types of love. It's divine love that comes from God. It's sacrificial and unconditional. It's, it's what God says he is. God is love. He is agape love. The love described in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape love. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Love suffers long. It's the highest form of love. So in this conversation with Peter, the Lord asked him, Peter, Simon, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responded the first time, I phileo you. You know, he may not have been courageous enough. I'm not an expert in Greek. I took it for a year and uh, glad the year was over. But he may not have been courageous enough to say, I agape you because of what he just walked through. Lord, I'm really fond of you. I really care about you. And then the Lord asked him again, you know, tell him, take care of the lamps, feed the lamps. Uh, Do you agape me? And he responded again, I phileo you. And so the Lord said, you know, take care of my sheep. Then the Lord asked the third time, do you love me? And he used the word phileo. And this vexed Peter. You know, do you agape me? I phileo you. Do you agape me? I phileo you. Do you phileo me? Lord, you know all things. I phileo you. Feed my sheep. So the highest form of love is agape. And I think sometimes we preach that so strong that it may seem unreachable. Well, only that's God. That's not me. I'm Irish. I'm going to fight at the drop of a hat or I'm this or I'm that. When meanwhile, we have phileo operating in our life plenty of times. Who likes their neighbors? Who likes their kids, right? And I think maybe, I don't know that the Lord was trying to work Peter up to something that he couldn't do. Obviously, living the Christian life requires divine help, right? So the purpose of today's talk is to challenge us to walk in this phileo love. And then trust God for his power to walk in agape. Do you see that? So our text is Hebrews 13, 1 through 6. We've been going through this book. And if you're visiting today, you won the lottery. Today is the day. I don't get on soapboxes very much and rant and rave about stuff happening out there in the cultural world. But if it's in the word of God and it's on our journey, we are not going to pull back. We're going to hold fast. So, it begins, let brotherly love continue. The Greek word there for brotherly love is a word Philadelphia. Yes, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is known as the city of brotherly love. Last year, a survey was done of 1,500 people from 30 American cities to determine the top five rudest cities in America. You'll never forget who came in number one. Philadelphia. Reminds me of a verse, let us not love in word only, 
but also in deed. So a spokesman for the city of Philadelphia basically said, well, some people are just whiny babies. So he helped prove the point. Not much of a defense for his city, right? Let brotherly love continue. Can we say that together? It means to remain, not stop. It's an ongoing thing in our lives. Do not forget to entertain strangers. The word there is, have no fear. There's only three Greek words I'm going to refer to, so don't, don't tune out. The Greek word there is a word philozena, xenia. So Philadelphia is a word philea or philos that we just talked about, and Delphia, which relates to brotherhood. So love is that kind of love. Let it continue. And then here is loving strangers. Entertaining strangers is zelionixia, which is a word philos or philea. Philea, I think, is the verb form. Philos is the noun form. And xenos which refers to the foreigner or the stranger. It's the root of the word xenophobia. If you wrestle with xenophobia, we can pray for you. We do not want to hate strangers and foreigners, do we not? So do not forget to love strangers, is what he's saying. Do not forget to phileo strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. We have an example of that in Genesis, I think, 18, where Abraham entertained these three guys. Turns out they were angels on their way to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 3, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated especially, since you yourselves are in the body also. I would say that that involves phileo love too, wouldn't you say so? Remember them as though you're there with them and do something to encourage them. In Matthew 25, the Lord says, I was in prison and you visited me. So we have a duty there. If we're going to let brotherly love continue, it has to include strangers and foreigners as well as prisoners. Why? Because we're also in the body of Christ. And when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. That's my brother in there. Verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. That is definitely speaking of sexual activity within marriage, because the word there for bed is a word koite. Please don't Google this right now, but coitus um, relates to that. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So marriage is blessed, but it's not blessed outside of marriage. Sexual activity is like a fire. In its proper place, it brings great blessing. It'll cook your food, fire will warm your house, fire will light the way. But outside of the boundaries God established, it can bring great destruction from destroying homes, relationships, abandoning children, killing children, happening in our culture, to spreading disease, to taking you out of the way God has called you to walk in. The word there for fornicator is the word pornos. 
pornos. It is sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and wife. It's the basket that all sexual sin can go in. It's called fornication. So it's not just premarital sex, that it involves everything from sodomy to all the other things our culture is wanting us to tolerate. In fact, our culture doesn't want us just to tolerate. They want us to celebrate, embrace, and practice. God will judge. We don't have to, but we're not to walk in that. Let your conduct be without covetousness. There's a word philos again. It's aphiloguros. Philos is to love, and argos is part of that word, is money. Let your conduct be without loving money. Jesus said the love of money, he didn't say money, he said the love of money is the root of all evil. You can love money and not have any. It's true. Reverend Ike said, it's not the love of money that's the root of evil, it's the lack of money. It's the root of all. Well, he was evil. He loved money. Said, you want good luck? Send me $5 and get rid of that rabbit's foot. It never did the rabbit any good. <laughs> he was a guy that used to be on the radio back in the 60s, AM radio. Reverend Ike, you can't lose with the stuff I use. Give me money for salvation. That's the name of my new yacht, the USS Salvation. <laughs> Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. One of today's billionaires, when asked how much is enough, he said it's always a little bit more. Everybody wants a little bit more than what they have. And we're called to be content, be thankful for what the God has blessed us with. So we have here a call to brotherly love amongst each other and love towards strangers, love towards prisoners, and definitely love within marriage and not to love money. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. So we may boldly say, and he quotes Psalm 118, 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for these instructions, these precepts, these principles. Help us, Lord, to abide by them because we need your help to do it. In Jesus' name, we ask you to give us hearts and ears to hear your word. Amen. So I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, brotherly love in action. It's not just a warm feeling. You know, Hollywood has a divorce epidemic because, well, we just don't love each other anymore. Well, why not? Well, I just don't feel in love anymore. Well, when you feel in love, that's wonderful. It's great to feel it, right? But love is a commitment, regardless of your feelings. Can I get a big amen? amen. Let's read our text today. Continue. You'll have that memorized by the end of the day. Brotherly love in action. What it does and does not do. And the consequences of practicing it. As well as not practicing it. This kind of love practices being a lifestyle. 
Either brotherly love is continuing or it's not. And for it to continue, we've got to live a lifestyle of kindness towards one another. It's walking in loving kindness. This love doesn't stop being kind-hearted. It's not let brotherly love continue when you feel like it or when it's convenient. It's caring for one another because that's what the Lord tells us to. And in so doing, it will enhance our community. Do you not like the atmosphere in your own home or in your church or in your job? What are you doing to be like a thermostat to change that atmosphere by being more loving? When uh, the fight is over, let it be over. You've made peace. Bury the hatchet and include the handle. Garth Brooks used to sing, the neighbor's lights came on last night, just like they always do every time we fight. It's getting to the place we can't get along. When we bury the hatchet, we leave the handle sticking out. When we bury the hatchet, we leave the handle sticking out. We're always talking about things we should forget about. It's getting to the place we can't get along. When we bury the hatchet, we leave the handle sticking out. Man. So if you cover that hatchet up, you have a new day and a new atmosphere to enjoy. Who wants to be in stressful relationships where you're walking on eggshells and stepping on a minefield? It's a new day. Amen. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be real. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, verse 10. In honor, giving preference to one another. You first, no, you first. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. 1 John 3, 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let our town not just be named Philadelphia, let it be Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Okay. Let brotherly love continue. Can we say that again? Such love resists suspicion and fear. If someone burned you and you forgave them, obviously don't go in business with them tomorrow. You know, just protect the friendship. It's best we don't do business together so we have a new day and there's no... Just don't give place to suspicion and fear. It does not shun away from outsiders. There's no place for shunning. Obviously, we don't hang out with divisive people, but we treat them as publicans and tax collectors, the Bible says. And how did Jesus treat them? With kindness, with respect. It's not this retaliatory thing. It brings heavenly blessings to us here. Back to that atmosphere principle. Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly, unknowingly entertained angels. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. So what's the remedy to fear? Boldness? No. Love. Boldness, you may have to fake it till you make it. You may have to, you know, pump yourself up. There's a place for being bold. But when you love and you walk in the love of God, what is there to be afraid of? 
Well, I might get hurt. Well, who's going to heal you? The Lord. If you live in fear of people hurting you, you'll become all alone. And what is that? That is permanent hurt. Some pastors don't believe they should have any friends in the church they pastor. And so invariably, they're going to get hurt, and who's going to heal them? They don't have any friends. So because you have friendship in a church, doesn't mean there can't be some hurts and relationships you've got to deal with, but because you're not exclusive in your friendships, you've got plenty of people to heal you up. I've gone to restaurants and seen years ago, seen members with ex-members. And I believe it's a good thing because eventually those ex-members become members again because we don't cut people off. Some pastors forbid people to have anything to do with people that used to be part of their church. That's ridiculous. That's walking in suspicion and fear even to the point of forbidding people. I told one pastor who was forbidding people to attend someone's funeral and he quoted Ananias and Sapphira. God took him out, so I don't want anybody to go in there. I said, listen, the Ananias and Sapphira story in the book of Acts, some people made a pledge and publicly gave, saying it was a certain amount, and it wasn't. God, the Lord took him out. Thank God he doesn't do that very often. I said, they didn't leave him laying there on the ground. They gave him a decent burial, because Peter said... To Sapphira, the men that buried your husband are at the door. So you're just wrong. And what did he do? He ran his church into the ground. Fear and suspicion just takes away everything. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. You don't want to be tormented. I can share this story because the guy has passed on to the Lord. Um, he said, I learned my lesson again. You just can't have friends in the church you pastor. We have really close friends in the church, and now they've changed churches. I said, well, tell me about your friendship. We played dominoes every night, and I dominated every game. I said, well, no wonder. Every week, he said every week. Every Saturday night, they would do that. And it's the only friends he had in his church where he was serving. It's not his church. It's the Lord's church, right? So he literally wore those people out. He needed some more friends. The Bible says, seldom go in your neighbor's house lest they grow weary of you. You know what I mean? So you got to have plural friends. I'm, somebody needs that anyway. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Are you struggling to love people? Check the level of fear in your heart. The Lord can heal Maybe you have people phobia or xenophobia. Anyway, let's read our text again. The next verse. This love identifies with the needs of others. It does not forget we are part of the body, and it will build a bridge we may need someday. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Verse 3. Those who are mistreated, especially those, since you yourselves are in the body also. 1 Peter 4.8, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. This is back to that thermostat atmospheric change thing. If you're loving 
and walking in brotherly love to the point of even visiting people in prison, what is that going to do? It's going to bless you in every way. Maybe you're establishing a prison ministry. And if one of your kinfolks winds up in the same prison, you've built a bridge that you're going to benefit from. You see that? Oh, maybe you're so perfect that your people will never have any needs. Well, it's not just about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the world. Amen? There's 8 billion people out there. We just sang about that. That need demonstrations of God's grace. And it's been known that people unsuspecting wind up in prison themselves. Maybe for preaching the gospel. And the love that you've shared will benefit you because you built a bridge. Let's read our text again. Let brotherly love what? Continue. Continue. The next verse. Brotherly love honors fidelity in marriage. You respect another man's wife. Why? You don't just care about your own desires, but you care about the well-being. Well, they're not married, they're single. Well, do you care about their future husband or their future wife? Why are you messing up someone's relationship in the future? We've got to think beyond the end of our nose, amen? Marriage is honorable among all. Such love does not defile marital harmony. And the bed undefiled. There's freedom in your relationship if you don't mess it up with not loving each other and being devoted to one another. This will prevent our being judged by God. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Well, I need to see more scripture. Okay. Thank you for asking. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And thank God for these words. And such were some of you. And we say, thank you, Jesus. So the word fornication can include a lot of those things on that list. If this is your lifestyle, the Lord's calling you to repent today. And there's hope in this verse. Such were some of you. It can be your past. It doesn't have to be your present. But if you live in sin, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's what the word says. The apostle Paul, who had a personal visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord in his ministry, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the book of Revelation, never blessed fornication. Galatians 5, Paul also wrote, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean if you've done those things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. No, if, if you're practicing that, you need to stop. <laughs> today is your warning. Boy, I came on the wrong Sunday today. No, you came on the right Sunday. You needed to hear the word. Ephesians 5, 5. No fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We have a new church born in this city today. They're meeting at Acton Elementary School. They are known as Anchor Fellowship. The reason they exist is because a church voted to allow this crap in their leadership. In their leadership. Our services are public gatherings available for everyone to come. But when a person is made a leader like a pastor or something like that, this, these issues in their life have got to have been dealt with. Not celebrated, embraced, and created as though it's a, uh, a race or something. You can't change your race, right? People are identifying with the things they're tempted by, called iniquity, and embracing it as though it's an, eth it's an ethnicity or a gender. That's the reason for all the multiple genders, is they're trying to squeeze in Sin as something that can't be repented of. I had a cartoon I wanted to show today. It's a monk who shot arrows into a wall, and now he's drawing targets around each arrow. So each arrow is a bullseye. That's what they're doing. When the Supreme Court did what it did, what it did, what it did which is called gay marriage... It drew a target around that issue to try to take it out of the realm of fornication. Well, it's not fornication. They're married. No, it's not a husband and wife. Genesis 1 is where it all began, the foundation of marriage. Human history as we know it began with a wedding. First man and the first woman. And God said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, the husband, and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And he told them to have dominion and to multiply. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Adam and Steve cannot conceive. Just can't. Men do not have babies. And to try to correct a mental confusion with physical surgery is ridiculous. The medical industry is just guilty of something really bad. They've done it before in the past. You know, George Washington died from a sore throat. Did you know that? He got bled by medical professionals three different times, and the old man never recovered. So, take it as it is. The Word says these things are going to be judged. Because of these things. So don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. I don't care what robes they wear, what titles they have, what collars they have on, what 
funny hats they wear and costumes they dress up in. It is the word of God that we abide by. Don't shoot the messenger. It's the message. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Well, pastor, what would you do if your child went this way? I would not cut that kid off. I would relate to them and obey the Lord. I have friends that have done this with their own kid. But I'm not going to make them a spiritual leader for others to follow. Churches are being run into the ground because of this. All right. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Colossians 3.5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. There it is again. Uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Once walked. Well, maybe you walked a thousand times in it, but you're not walking in it anymore. Here's what's happening. Churches appear to preach the word, and they primarily do Bible stories and give them a little spin. Or they'll preach the letters of Paul, the first half, and leave the second half alone. The first half is theology, it's encouragement, it's a gospel. The second half is living it out. We're in the Hebrews waxed eloquent for like 10 chapters. Now we're in the final thing, and it's about application. Let brotherly love continue with one another, with strangers, with prisoners, in our homes, but we have no brotherly love with covetousness and things that are not God's will. Love guards our hearts against ingratitude. True love doesn't distrust God's will for us. It will keep us in a state of contentment. Let your conduct be without covetousness. That's loving money, phileo money. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen. Maybe your plans will get changed. You know, maybe you won't be able to take advantage of the prosperity you once had because of the economy change, the dollar devaluing, whatever, or gas going up to $20 a pint. Whatever happens, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Are we people of faith or are we not? Even our money has on it for a reason. In God we trust. Because of this very principle. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man, what can man do to me. What the president can do to us. What the governor can do to us. What the world can do to us. I'm not going to be afraid because the Lord is my helper. Now, as Americans, we have responsibility as citizens to vote, and if called to, and you have the wisdom and means to do it, to run for office, to make a difference. 
But to live in fear, no. No, no. If you do, you will not let brotherly love continue. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that the atmosphere in our homes would always be set to brotherly love. And Lord, when we're able to, by your power, set them to agape love, to walk in that unconditional love. Give us a love for holiness. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us righteousness. Help us, Lord, to live a life that reflects the righteousness you've imputed to us. In Jesus' name, amen. For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Fellowship is starting today with over 275 people that believe the Bible, that believe Jesus, and their pastors has experience in planting churches. He left with them. Amen. 
We do not make gods out of our families, our children, we love them, but we do not change the Word of God for them. The Word of God. Jesus said, fall on the rock and be broken, lest a rock fall on you and be grounded in the power.